So the way you use a game is so much more important than what game is it that you're bringing into your classroom. Hey, this is James and you're listening to the Ludic Language Pedagogy Podcast. Uh, today I am joined by two teachers based in Norway and co-host uh, Tobias Stabi again. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hey. Uh, hello, hello. If we could do an introduction, we'll go down the list in Discord here. So Ingrid and then Alex and then Tobias, if you'd like to just introduce yourselves real quick. Hi, uh, I'm Ingrid. I'm pretty uh, fresh in the teaching game still. Um, however, I feel like using video games in education is just a great way to teach and learn. So I ended up here. Uh, I work Amazing. at the same school at uh, Tobias and Alexander. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I teach so, English and religion this part and social sciences, hopefully next year. Okay, perfect. Ingrid is perfect for LLP then, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Alex. All right, so uh, I'm uh, Alexander. Uh, I teach English and uh, social science at uh, Nordalgeig Upper Secondary School in, uh, uh, in uh, Bergen, Norway. Uh, I've been using uh, I've been using games essentially since I started teaching uh, since I started teaching 11 years ago and I suppose I'm particularly interested in uh, games as uh, games as literature games as culture games as a form of expression and I feel that that's something that all teachers should know something about regardless of their own views on mm. Games, incredible. Damn, wanna di- wanna dive in, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we will. So, uh, gonna be short and sweet. Uh, my name is Tobias, and I yeah, yes. as been mentioned, I work as I also work at the Nordalgeig High School, upper second, no, uh, yeah, upper secondary school, uh, where I am also doing a dissertation at the University of Bergen. Um, and I, to sum up, I, I think I regard games. Um, Perhaps first of all, as a well, a tool for in- asking interesting questions, maybe. Brilliant. All right, let's dive in with the first question. So we'll go uh, Ingrid then Alex uh, for the answers. So the first question from me is: What or who inspired you to start teaching with games? So I've always grown up with ICT around me in different ways. I had a dad who worked with ICT in different countries. So I've always been very comfortable with ICT in different forms. However, it wasn't until I actually came to Nordagreek Upper Secondary School that I was introduced to the ways you could use games in education. Uh, as actually Alexander was my mentor during a practice period and he was pushing us to try new ways of teaching and then introduce games as well and I was sold uh, and since then I wrote my master's thesis on how to use video games as literature mm. and, and that's pretty much how it started for me. Yeah uh, so uh, my inspiration was essentially all those experiences I've had playing video games myself growing up. Now my very first foray into using games in my classroom was using uh, using Civilization 4 uh, where along with a colleague I made this huge uh, four-week unit where Civilization Four was kind of the glue that held the lessons together through English, so social science, and Norwegian courses. 
And we had a terrific time with this unit the first time around. I repeated the unit the following year and it completely fell flat on its face. Uh, what I quickly realized is that a lot of games, they have a complexity uh, that you can't really expect most classes to embrace. So my big takeaway from these first forays, uh, forays into using games in class is that when using games in regular classes, the content of the games can by all means be complex, but the, the mechanics of the games, they need to be fairly simple to allow, uh, to allow a whole class to be able to actually sink into the content of um. games. Mm. Why do you think it failed on the second occasion and not the first occasion? What was the reason for that, do you think? Uh, I've put a lot of thought into that, actually. Now, uh, the first... Was it you? Uh, <laughs> uh, you uh, yes, uh, yes, in part it was me. In part, uh, 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 in part it was me, in part it was the composition of students in that class, particularly the girls in the class. Uh, now, the first year where I used Civilization, I had two gamer girls in my class who were also thought leaders or uh, or influential in the rest of the class. And they had a very, very big impact on getting the girls group involved. Uh, well, in the second year when I ran this unit, I didn't have that kind of a composition, which I believe is a fairly mm. large reason while it didn't work out the second year. Mm. And I think what what's, what Alex is touching on here, uh, here that uh, is a thing that I perhaps feel should be emphasized more often, and that's how sensitive um, game-oriented or game-based unit can be to the social context around the game. That's like, sure, games is an important ingredient, but there's so many other variables at play that, um, yeah, that we should be very very mindful of i guess because you and i uh, have talked a lot about this alex and i have a similar kind of experience where one a game in one class worked with great success and another class failed miserably even though the game was the same yeah i, agree. I think yeah in, in um, some ways the teacher always please. have to be very active and try to figure out what way might this go and sometimes you have to be very active in order to help this succeed in some sense. And other times you can just sit back a bit and let the discussion just unfold naturally. Yeah, I think one of the one of the key constructs I think you're, you're all mentioning is the, the game literacy of the, the mm. students in the class, right? So if, if, if students are very familiar with uh, gameplay, then there's less for you to do. Whereas if a class of students uh, are not gamers then you need to do a lot more scaffolding, a lot more support, if you use um, a game at all. And I'll actually add to that so, by just briefly saying that if, a if some students are very familiar with the game, um, they might be like going to uh, what a uh, Swedish researcher called, uh, Anders Frank calls gamer mode, where it's all about the game and, <laughs> and succeeding at the game and not necessarily learning anything. Gamer mm. mode definitely yeah. happens, yeah. Um, Alex has already uh, kind of answered the, the next question, which is... Um, how did you start? Like, how did you, what, your first foray into the, the, the ocean of games and learning? Yeah. Um, what about you, Ingrid? How did you, what was your first uh, experiment or whatever you want to call it? How did you start using games? Uh, well, my first introduction or my first experiences was uh, actually playing Gone Home, which turned out to be the theme of my Gone master's Home, thesis okay. as well. Um, 
while Alexander was watching us and figuring out how we were doing teaching classes, uh, I was still a student at that point. Evaluating you all the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was actually very nice. So you had, I had some kind of support during my first encounter with games and it felt like a good safety net because I'm not really that used to games. I've, mm. I've played like very simple games when I grew up and, but nothing, nothing out of what you can find on simple web pages. Mm. So when I first were to play a video game, actually, that was actually on Steam or PlayStation or wherever you might find it. It was nice mm. to have some support because I don't have all the mechanics of how you should necessarily navigate a game. However, I don't feel like that's necessary either. So Interesting. based on mm. that, I felt the confidence to actually move on and figuring out how to do this by myself. Um, yeah, you're right. All gone. Yeah, and I figured out why not do it while I write my master thesis, right? Mm. So um, the you're, you're an actual perfect. You're a perfect case study for <laughs> us geeky guys here that grew up playing games because we have this, you know, the the the, the intrinsic knowledge, the, the a lot of knowledge of games from from our our childhood. But to have somebody that's come into teaching with games as a non gamer at this stage, it's like wow. We really need we need your information. Like that, that's that's <laughs> brilliant. I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an alright background to have actually. It's quite scary at times, but the students mm. are they're amazing in helping me and helping me to figure out how this actually might work. So, mm. so I feel like we have actually a good cooperation while I do this because I'm honest with them saying like I don't know all the answers here. I've yeah, yeah. It, and I made and the lesson. However, it might be some help navigating different things and figuring out how to do this. You know, I think that that's quite important, that what you mentioned there, because as, a, as an English teacher in Japan with Japanese, let's say I've got colleagues that are Japanese, um, so they're not native English speakers, but they're teaching English. They don't like to stray outside of the textbook because they know the textbook. It's a safe area for them. They know the content, mm. whereas mm. a teacher... To, to try and teach English with a different medium or something that they're not fully um, 100% got control over. It, it is a scary prospect. But you see, Ingrid here is, is mentioning that she does lay it all bare. Hey, I'm not an expert on this. Can you help me? And it's a collaborative process between the teacher and the students. So, yeah, brilliant. Mm. Brilliant. Cool. Um, this is a question that I wanted to ask at the start, actually. Um, question number three. How long have you been teaching with games, both of you? We'll start with Alex this time. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Just to, just to add on to that. Um, what subjects and how often do you use games? So how long have you been using them? Uh, what subjects do you teach? And how often do you use games in the class? Yeah, so uh, part one, how long have I been using games in class? I've been using games in class for more or less 10 years now to a limited extent at first, but then more and more. Uh, essentially, in my English courses, I run about, uh, say, within a year, I run three game-centered units where we use a specific game for between one and three weeks. And in addition to that, we might, uh, we might do some minor lessons where games is a component in one way or another. Uh, now, in addition to the work that I do within my own classroom, I also work as an advisor on games and learning here at my school, which means that 15% of my time is devoted to visiting other teachers in other classrooms and running game units there as well. 
Right. Okay, uh, Ingrid, how about yourself? How often, uh, w- how long have you been using games to teach? What subjects and how often do you use them? So I've been using games to teach pretty much since I started teaching, um, mm-hmm. which is about roughly three years at this point, I think. Um, and well, I think it's pretty much the same as Alexander, which where I use games maybe as a key element three times. And then I find these smaller games that can start a conversation or can help them yeah. get into a theme maybe five or six times. Depends on, on how it fits. Yeah. So Dang. mainly in mainly in English, because that's my yeah. main subject of teaching. Uh, however, I've tried so in religion as well. Mm. Um, and I have a couple of ideas how we can do it in social sciences as well. Mm. Some secret ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Okay, Tobias, do you want to? Yeah. So um, the next set of questions are, are shifting more over to the to the classroom context. Um, but we've all we, you've all uh, answered this question already. What kind of institution do you work at? Should we even yeah. ask that, James? Or or yeah, they mentioned, they mentioned that in the intro. After all, uh, we could still mention. Uh... Uh, there are still a few things that might be interesting mentioning. For one thing, if we work in the public school system, mm. uh, and uh, we work in, uh, I don't know, fairly normal, mm. uh, uh, fairly normal high school setting. This isn't a, a it's special not a charter school, school or, school or yeah, school. private but, school or anything no. like that. Yeah, exactly. No. So, oh wow. We could just, I just want to come over there and, and just talk to you all day, but <laughs> what the oh, hell's going uh, on in you, Norway, you, you know? It's, it's you, different. You know, you'd be very welcome. We'd, uh, uh, we'd welcome you with open arms, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. talked to Tobias about it last, last yeah. week, but yeah, yeah. Mm. So Scandinavia, much. Is, Scandinavia is calling. Yeah, yeah. I can deal with it. Um, I can deal with it. I'm from the UK, so I, I can deal with chilly, chilly winters. That's interesting. Yeah, public high school, essentially normal high school. Hmm. Mm. Right. Um, did you want to add something, Tobias? No, I just um, I could add that that uh, what probably sets our school at least slightly apart, although although I think this was a much bigger difference a couple of years ago, is that um, the administration at our school uh, is is very good at saying yes to things. Uh, so we. Pretty much all of us got a pretty much like a uh, had their blessing from the, the blessings from the get go. If we mm. wanted to do something, um, well, not controversial but unusual when it came progressive, to games progressive. and learning, progressive, um, yeah. which which is also kind of the man part of the mandate of the school is that um, mm. our teachers are expected to have a, at least a kind of slightly progressive and mm. innovative attitude to not only games but ICT in general. Yeah, and I feel like we're always welcome to share as well if we find something cool to do or if there's a new way of teaching uh, a theme or a topic as well. Mm. Uh, This comes on to the next question quite nicely. So how widespread is the use of games at your institution? Is just everybody using games? I see. I, I don't really. I don't really need to say. Oh, Ingrid, could you tell us about your in- institution? Uh, Alex, can you tell us about your institution? Because it's the same place. So yeah, yeah. Um, Alex, you have some numbers. I think. Uh, I have some numbers now. We're uh, now there are about one hundred and fifteen teachers working at our school altogether. One hundred and fifteen uh, teachers. Yeah. 
with a with just about a thousand students, and in the past uh uh in the past three years, uh seventy teachers at least have run some form of a game based unit or lesson or series of lessons where games have some part of uh that being said that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that all of these teachers are experts or even super interested in all cases in in doing teaching with games uh but i'd say we have about eight or ten teachers that are very very invested in the use of games the three of us being the cream of that particular group And something like 40 or 50 teachers that are positively curious or, or that are positively curious, uh, mm. that have a positive outlook and wishes or wants to be able to do more with games and their lessons. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, do you guys you agree like... with my assessment there or uh, yes. will you guys agree with my assessment or am I being too optimistic? No, I think so too. And, and that was one of the things I noticed first when I came to the school is that the general attitude towards games uh, is very positive. Even though people might not be comfortable or feel like this is their area of expertise, they are in general very positive in trying new ways and implementing games in one way or another. And, and they, take con- or they contact you and, and ask, what ways can I do this? Or do you have any good examples? Or I, hear, I heard you use this game. How did you do it? Mm. Mm. So I agree with this- your statement. Yeah. And this has been like a, a culture that has slowly been growing over the past, yeah, say ten or so years. Is that like when we started out, um, there were more skeptical people. That's you, you believe, that's really not surprising. But there's a lot more and more what that what Alex mentioned. That what do you say? Careful, uh, cu- uh, positive curiosity. Mm. Or, um, so yeah, there's been a culture shifts uh, growing over the past years. And uh, say this, let the, the, sub, the focus of my dissertation, which is uh, how teachers in religion are using The Walking Dead uh, when teaching ethics, as has just been like a part of the curriculum for how long is it now? Six years, I think. Did you put that into the curriculum? Then is that your? Did you instigate uh, co- that? Uh, uh, me a colleague, yeah, co-developed uh, unit when it was just me and him. Um, mm. And then we got when we got new colleagues next year. We told them, "Hey, we're doing this thing. It's kind of cool. Do you want to try?" <laughs> they said, yes, sure. Um, mm. So I no longer teach uh, that course, of course, because yeah, uh, I'm already a bit too closely <laughs> affiliated mm. with what I study anyway. Mm. Um, but that's say that means it has like continued de- evolving without me, which is kind of interesting. I think amazing. Mm. I remember hearing I started um, the neighbor school, upper secondary school, when the school opened. And I remember as I went to that very traditional textbook form of school, hearing about how they did try different things um, at Nordagri. And, and I could never imagine how to learn that way. Mm. But now I couldn't think any other way to teach and learn. I think a key, a key question here that um, I think, is it your question next, Tobias, right? Yeah. Yeah. This one, uh, but I think I think what we're kind of skirting around and not mentioning is a solid, you know, how what games are you using to teach what, you know, subjects? Yeah, maybe this is the right question, Tobias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next question is um, how do how do games fit into the institution and curriculum where you teach? Yeah, like a solid. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
feel free to mention specific games as well. Why don't you start us off on Gone Home, uh, Ingrid? <laughs> all right. So I, I won't take all the credit for this for this um, lesson plan or this way of teaching. Uh, I borrowed it from uh, my colleagues at the Norway High School. However, this was the very key focus of my master thesis as well. So I use Gone Home to teach literature. I noticed, and I noticed it. Sorry, I, when you say literature, do you mean English as a foreign language literature or yeah. Norwegian literature? Uh, English as a foreign language. So I've always found that getting students to actually read texts or read books is quite difficult. Some hmm. do it very thoroughly, some hardly skim the text, and some just don't do it at all. Uh, and I wanted to find a way to actually get them to understand more of the process going on behind reading a text and how to view different texts. Mm. Uh, and then when encountering all these different texts that we have today uh, with different modes and different ways of including information, I figured out that like, Gone Home was actually quite a good way to use that as uh, you had to look for information, right? You have this game, you have this empty house that you enter and, and suddenly you have to click things. So you have to read on the back of receipts and letters and mm. uh, listen to diaries in order to find information. So it's a good way to practice finding information and reading texts in different ways. Hmm. Can I ask a question like, about that? Yeah. I haven't actually played Gone Home. So could you explain what kind of uh, texts students encounter in the in the game are there kind of formal written story style texts with like text messaging and pictures or what kind of texts do they find in the game so the main narrative is actually mm. the there's a big sister coming home to an empty house and, and you have to figure out where where is the family where did her sister go and where did her parents go mm. uh, and, and the main narrative that you hear in the background is different parts of the little little sister's journal Okay, so and you're reading while, a journal. Yes, and you hear it over while you're playing the game as well. Okay. So as you explore the house, you discover different parts of the journal, and slowly the story unfolds. However, at the same time, you have to look through clues that you would normally find at a house, being receipts, being voicemails uh, left for someone in the house, mm. or um, a poster, or a letter, mm. or... Um, a moving bill, stuff like that. So a lot of different texts and different yeah, ways. Yeah. And totally multi multimodal as well then. So very multimodal indeed. Mm. Yeah. I so, would also like to add sorry. Yeah, no. No, I, and also I think uh, the invite, like in in what's the word indexical uh, narrative, like reading, just looking at your surroundings and thinking what what might have happened here is also very like important mm. part of the game. I think. So, so there's a lot of agency it? on piecing the story together, then essentially, right? Yeah, and the students mm. try to do, try to guess the outcome all the time, and and the the very like the design of the game looks like something horrible happened. Hmm. Uh, and they always make these statements and predictions that something awful happened. Uh, when it's actually quite a beautiful story, I would I won't <laughs> spoil anything. Yeah, please don't. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but it's a beautiful story. Uh, so it's always fun to see how students read different things and what assumptions they make based on what they see and what they read as well. Hmm. Um, hmm. And we always have a good conversation on that in the beginning. And, and why do you think this way? Yeah. So how, how do you fit that into your class then? Would you say? What's a typical class length? Is it an hour, 45 minutes? Oh, I can work for this for weeks. I know, um, but like, let, let's, 
Okay, how, how is the curriculum around the game structured? Do you start to play, then have an analysis class, or what's the general structure of your, your teaching around this game? I, I split it up to different pieces because I feel yeah. like if you divide the game, you can get much more out of it and you can see it in different ways while you play as well. So uh, there's usually an introduction task just to get the students structured. And, and as most classes have someone who's very invested in games, they feel it, the need to just finish it as quickly as possible. And I think, that's a, I think they wish to kind of show that they, they know how to play games. This is their yeah, yeah. Area of expertise, right? Look so, at me, I can beat the game quicker than anybody. <laughs> however, in this game, you won't really gain much if you finish it first. Uh, you just found the right exit. Mm. Um, however, so you, they have to go back, right? They have to suddenly look at the clues, actually read the game in different ways. Mm. So I tried to pace them in the beginning and actually make them stop and think, what are you seeing here? What are we reading? Try mm. to actually take in what you're reading mm. and then give them different tasks in order to what they can look for and, and how they can read things. Um, and then at the end, we, we have a bigger discussion on what happens to the different characters. What do you know about them? What assumptions can we make? How do you analyze this? So in many ways, yeah. it's the same way as working with more traditional literature and mm. written text that we work with analyzing the story and analyzing the characters. However, in my master's thesis, one of my students actually said this, that while well, they, they could play the games for hours by themselves, they didn't feel like they were reading. They could never do that with a book. However, with the <laughs> game, they felt so invested and so curious in finding out the truth that they would just play and play and play. So I found, I found this actually be quite a good way to get them into what is reading and how can you enjoy reading and enjoy discovering these new things um, mm -hmm. without feeling that as a... It's a chore. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Uh, All right. Games, yep. Yeah, uh, games like Come Home, they're often referred to as walking simulators. Now, when I present these types of games to my students, I try to frame them differently, referring to them as short story games rather than, short referring, games. To them, yeah. uh, rather than referring to them as walking simulators. Because uh, the activities that we do in the classroom and the activities that students do as homework when we're using this type of game is actually very, very similar to the types of activities that we'd be using if we're reading a short story or we're reading a novel, if we're watching a film. So one of the things, the things that I try to convey to teachers who are uncomfortable about games in their classroom is that though the medium is different, a game is not the same thing as a short story, and it's not the same thing as a film, and it's not the same thing as a novel. Uh, the types of activities and the ways that you design your lessons, they don't have to differ all that much from the types of activities that you're already well-versed in doing using mm. other mm. media. They're not that more difficult to, to implement, mm. then, is basically right what you're saying. Mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think both of you touch on a very important uh, uh, or very top, very important um, point is that that games, um, that the the way the teachers frame and and highlight and and point to, uh, and like prepare the students for how they're supposed to relate to this game and the rest of the curriculum is a very very important element. And also that, um, especially if you want to like non-gamer teachers to start using games in their classes, I think it's very important that they are able to use the games in a way that they find 
recognizable in a mm, way. Familiar with, right? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, I had a question. So, how are you implementing these games in the classroom? For example, Gone Home, this is on Steam you mentioned. Um, I don't know if it's on iPad or iOS or anything like that. Uh, how are students interacting with this game in the classroom? Is it on the projector? Do they have a tablet each? Or how is it being implemented, Ingrid? There are different ways of doing this. Sometimes it's best to play the game as a group. Uh, we've done okay. this in with to be as a project as well, um, because it just helps structure the discussion better, and we're we're meeting the same obstacles at the same time. So, However, do you mean that one person would be playing and others watching, or? Yeah, one or two people would be up at a, at the screen and and actually controlling the game, and they would vote or they would. Okay. Uh, make decisions together on what to do, and then we would have a discussion afterwards on why did you choose this. Uh, right. This is in regards to ethics. and. and I want to move so back one step from there. How do you get that screen into the classroom? What What is the, the classroom structure? So How most they... of our, our classrooms have a TV screen or um, a projector of some sense or a smart board. So we okay. have a screen in our classroom. Mm -hmm. um, you said groups, like plural, so that you've got, I'm imagining clusters of students playing a game, so you must have multiple copies, like, what are the logistics of this? I don't, uh, uh, the reason I'm asking is because I don't use video games in my context because I think it's quite a challenge, really. Uh, maybe every student's got a smartphone at university so we can play some smartphone games, but something like Gone Home, I'm thinking personally, how would I get, how would I get like five or six or... 30 copies of that in the classroom like can you talk about that a little yeah uh, let's just rewind a bit and talk a bit about the digital infrastructure in norwegian classrooms yeah that would be uh, that'd be fantastic now, yeah uh yeah now in norwegian high schools all students have their own laptop they uh, all have their own laptop I, okay uh yes on a national level uh in every single high school in norway uh, throughout high school every single student will have their own either a windows or a mac uh no how, how uh, do they a windows or a mac laptop how do they decide that is it on the parents to purchase it um is there a spec that they have to ad adhere to or yeah how, do, how yeah. do they get those computers as well now in each county in norway they define the minimum specs of the computers that they need to that they need to use for school and then each student gets a stipend which is equivalent to the minimum specs. And then it's up to each student whether they want to purchase the computer with minimum specs, uh, meaning no cost to the student, no cost to the family, mm. or if they want to buy a more advanced computer, yeah. then, they, then they have to pay the difference between the minimum spec computer and whatever they end up buying. Incredible. Uh, yeah, that answers a lot of my questions regarding that. So, mm. yeah. We forgot to mention that uh, the very special room we have in our school. Yes, Alex. Uh, this is this is my this is my baby project. Uh, we also have a game lab in our school where we have sixteen computers, mm. uh, in which we have at this point we have eighty games installed. Half okay. of these games have been selected by Tobias, myself, and a couple of others, uh, and a couple of other teachers, mm. and are games that we either think that at some point we might might want to make curriculum around or that we've already created mm. curriculum around. Uh, the big, big advantage to this is that for those teachers who are, let's say, uncomfortable with the games media and might be uncomfortable with some of the 
uh, technical logistics of distributing a game to, to the entire class, those teachers can bring their classes along to the game lab and where everything is essentially plug and play. The games are already installed and mm. they can just uh, they can just bring their classes along and uh, get right to using the game. Uh, the advantage of this is, in my opinion, most importantly, uh, that this frees up teacher teacher time. Teachers should not be spending hours upon hours on making the technical logistics work works. Teachers should be able to focus their time on lesson planning and thereby by having all of the technical stuff sorted out already, they can focus on uh, focus on pedagogy while, mm. the, while the logistics are already sorted out for them. Gotcha. Mm. How, how rare is that in Norway to have a, a game lab in the high school? Uh, when we built our lab uh, six years ago, super rare. Uh, hmm. Now um, we're seeing game labs similar to ours pop up at different schools around the country, but uh, uh, this is not uh, this is not a common occurrence by any means hmm. at this point, at least. But someday, oh. maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's amazing. Okay, I'm going to jump on to the next question, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. um this is the last of this uh section about classroom context so what um, what roles do you play in the classroom what what is your role as a teacher in the classroom if you can think of some verbs maybe like what do you do ingrid some verbs so don't worry because i i i could only think of the verb i teach last <laughs> when we did this so. <laughs> i guide maybe Depends yeah. on the game, really, in some ways. Sometimes I, I'm just backing off a bit and observing and, and guiding them towards the right answer or to write, towards the right topic that I want mm -hmm. them to discuss. Um, other times I have to be instructing. Right. It depends right. on the class, depends on the context and what games we're playing um, and, how, and how they're doing. Because some classes just, they get it immediately, what I'm looking for and what I'm trying to um, teach them. And other classes just need a bit more uh, closer yeah. attention and, and for me to play, pay close attention to them. Um, but I think guiding and instructing, mm. depending on the, on the classroom and the class, I think, and teachers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you think you, you, you mark the time in your class? Like now is a time when they, they are active and I'm helping on the sidelines and then there's a time in the class where... Uh, it's look at me, I'm going to instruct you. Do you think you have yeah, a, definitely. a bit and, of and both the in every class? Is that I know they're distracting, yeah. right? I know that when, when I'm out there talking and they have a brand new game on their uh, computers, right. it's difficult. So I have to clearly mark like right mm. now you have to listen to mm. me in order for this to actually be something that you learn from. Uh, but yeah. I know it's hard, right? So it's fun and that's exactly the kind of excitement and engagement I want them to feel. Um, because that helps, right? I want them to be eager mm. to learn. I want them to do to be eager to dive into something. Uh, however, it's my role as a teacher to actually help them yeah. go the right way, go towards curriculum or the learning aims. Yeah, exactly. Close your laptop. Please look at me right I'm looking now. at Twitter. Oi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha, Alex. Did you, do you, uh, do you want to yeah, add anything to that? Um, 
Uh, now, one more thing, actually, about how they play the game when they're in class. My strong preference is that students nearly always play the game in pairs. Now, there are several important reasons for this, and this goes particularly for, uh, particularly for narrative games. Uh, so Tobias mentioned earlier on about students, students getting into gamer mode. Now, when students are playing narrative games, I don't necessarily want them to be, be in gamer mode. I don't want them to be in a mode where they feel that I need to finish this level, uh, this level or a level, or I need to complete this game in as most efficient way possible. Rather, I want them to play slowly and absorb what they are experiencing in the, mm. uh, what they are experiencing in the game. And when students are playing together in pairs, they can have active discussions as they are playing. And these are also natural discussions, organic discussions that are going on to a much greater extent than what you would find when we're working with traditional short stories or when you're working working with film. Uh, because uh, when my students are reading short stories, if I want them to discuss what, so, what they've read so far, what they've experienced so far, in order to do that, I have to actively remove them from the immersion of reading the short story and say, okay, no more immersion. Now it's time for a discussion. <laughs> uh, but uh, this discussion that I find to be super, super useful is a natural part of experiencing a game in a way that is significantly different from reading a short story or watching a film because you can talk about what's going on on mm. the screen uh, without actually having to pause anything which in my opinion at least leads to uh, more valuable reflection going on at the same time mm. as the piece of culture uh, uh, as the um, a uh, piece of cultural expression is being uh, uh, being absorbed. So I guess the point is that discussion during gameplay is not intrusive. It's it's a part mm. of gameplay. Whereas if you're reading a book or watching a movie, you do actually have to pause it. Whereas yeah, I guess gameplay it's kind of part and parcel of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Interesting. I have this this experience, and I remember this as. It's just stuck with me over the years as well that I was I was in the gaming lab uh, or the game lab and I had these two students and they weren't really speaking English. They weren't comfortable with it. And, and I kind of understand why it's, it's hard when everyone else knows Norwegian and you probably you, you suddenly have to shift the language you're speaking. Uh, and they were playing this game and, and I walked over to see how how are you doing? How, how are things? And they were so invested in just discussing in, in English, naturally, just talking back and forth in a very authentic way that I was just backing off because they were feeling mm. like I was interrupting their discussion rather, mm. than, rather than trying to get them to talk. And I think that's the thing with games that they aren't looking for the correct answer because sometimes mm. when you ask a question, they want to give you the answer you expect and they think you expect. However, mm. in games, they're free to just discuss because there aren't really that many keys or, or correct answers. There are multiple uh, of answers that you could take or mm. you could go in. So, so suddenly they don't have this restraint of them in thinking that they have to give the right answer. They're just talking and they're just discussing what they see. Mm -hmm. so I think that's a, a good way to, give, to get the authentic talk in the classroom in a sense. Mm. 
I want to highlight something about what you're saying, uh, both Ingrid and Alex. Uh, in the literature, there's always, on at least the popular uh, literature on games and learning, there's always uh, this this idea of flow or immersion that's brought up as like a one of the important traits of why learning are le- games can be so good for learning. Um, and I think your your points challenge that assumption in a way because you have to like um, disc- do you have to like stop the immersion and, and the flow for a while to in order to make the learning experience not like the gaming experience learning and learning uh, valuable for learning in a sense so you the, the idea of flow and immersion being so important assumes that the gaming experience itself is the most important um, aspect of the learning process which of course it is necessarily isn't and i think you both of you highlight that quite um uh, like you make an interesting point of, of how mm. you have to like drip them out or not turn out of the gaming experience but you have to um no, do you see what I'm getting at? I like yeah, uh, yeah. I think, I think you could but, frame it if it, if you don't mind. I, th- I think you could frame it this way. You could say that um, you could get flow by reading a book, or you could get flow while watching. You you could enter flow state while reading or by watching a movie. But then to have a discussion means that you you're pulled out of it. Whereas a gameplay and discussion kind of it, they go along parallel. You're not breaking the flow state. Is that is that what you're getting at, Tobias? Or no, something slightly different. Uh, that's exactly my point, at least, uh, oh, okay. James. Uh, mm. Yeah. Mm. The fact that the, the, the gameplay and the discussion can happen in parallel, right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Mm. Which also means that you have to be there and help the discussion sometimes, and you have to actually give them points of discussion or, or figuring out what should we focus on. The game isn't mm. just the learning in itself. You have to be there as a teacher and actually guide them towards something or um, mm. instruct them in some ways. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, so the next question is shifting more towards the um, the field or the community that you're a yeah, part of. So we we can be quick mm. with these these next uh, questions, mm. hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So the the first question, uh, feel free. To, yeah, it's not the the most important question. So feel free to answer this uh, briefly. Uh, what teaching communities are uh, you guys involved with? Mostly these two guys right here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> they help me. The thing is, at, at our school, we have quite a good communication and, and ways of uh, discussing games. So I speak a lot to my colleagues as well as Twitter, and and we have different conferences that we attend and that we're able to attend, uh, where I meet new teachers and new people who do the interesting things. So it's mainly here on Discord and, and being in the network of the ludic language um pedagogy or journal, things like that, um, yeah. as well as the office, basically. So there are lots of, lots of different smaller ones, but they all give me inspiration and, and this engagement in some way. Mm. Alex, you've got anything to add to that communities that you're involved with? Uh, very early on when I first started using Games in School, the online community was super important to me, getting to meet other equally crazy slash eccentric teachers as myself who were uh, willing and able to experiment within the field of pedagogy. I was still in a fairly new field. Now, Twitter especially was super important, important to me, uh, important to me getting started because through that social medium, I was able to find backing in somebody to discuss with that was coming from more or less the same place as I was. And now these days, my local community is becoming far more important to me as there are becoming more and more teachers locally who share my interest. 
in the use of games in education, meaning that, meaning that I can have a lot more fruitful discussions in the mm. staff room or in the office yeah. than uh, was the case earlier on. Amazing. Yeah, that's why I'm still online. I don't have a, a local community really at, at my university. So, um, yeah, still, still trying to persuade people at my uni. Mm. Um, it takes it, time. Yeah. It does take time. It does take time. Mm. Or I could just move to Norway. So, yeah, there we go. There's always <laughs> <Yeah>. that. Uh, <laughs> Next question. Uh, what would you compare your journey um, of using games in teaching? If you could like, think of it as a journey, how would you describe it, Ingrid? And now you do teach well, literature, so I'm expecting something brilliant here. <laughs> <laughs> I joke. Oh, um, well, the thing is, it, was, it started very abruptly. Um, I came into the school not really thinking that I would come into this field at all and it's like mm. you know when you go through the closet in Narnia that's my best I metaphor in the sense that when you suddenly come to a new world and I remember coming in thinking I was doing okay in teaching and then I really liked mm. this career and suddenly you have games and it was this new mm. this new world of teaching and and viewing literature and talking to students and and just teaching uh, and the students think you're pretty cool when you use games as well. So it's, <laughs> um, so it's kind of like Alice in Wonderland meets yeah. Cinderella becoming a, a, a rock star or something, That's right? A bunch of stories. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as more as um, the more I got into this world, the more opportunities and cool ways of doing things and and cool people to meet and just a whole mm. a whole world of opportunities, really. So. Is basically it's been a steep learning curve to be honest, but I'm um, mm. I'm still hanging on and I'm still enjoying it tremendously. Grit. We talked about this last time. Grit. Mm. Sticking with it. Alex, what about you? Uh, I'm not sure if I have any uh, uh, literary metaphors of the same quality, uh, but my journey, I uh, I could describe of going from naive optimism to pragmatism, essentially. Mm. So. Uh, <laughs> So getting into using games in education 10 years ago, I went in with my experience of having all of these awesome learning experiences in my childhood, all of these reflections that I had playing the civilization in my childhood. Uh, and naively, I thought this will translate one-to-one to the classroom. All I have to do is to expose these kids to these same types of games that I enjoyed and that mm. I had good learning experiences from, mm. and then learning will happen magically. Mm. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, that wasn't the case. Now, though there are all of these games that have uh, that still in my mind have these near magical properties. The point in my in my journey where I'm at right now is that within the classroom, there are very few games that, in and of themselves, are awesome learning tools. But there are approaches to using games that can have those magical properties. So the way you use a game is so much more important than what game is it that you're bringing into your classroom. Are you speaking to the right audience? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's what we're all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to quote, I'm quoting you in my dissertation, by the way, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tobias, go for it. Yeah. Um, so last, um, last question in the field and community category. Um, what do you think new teachers need to start using games? 
I, I feel like I, I use this quote in my in my thesis. Um, if we teach like we, if we continue teaching like we do today, we rob our children of tomorrow. And and I think that we always have to change, right? Because when we go out or when we graduate, we have this idea of the ways we want to teach and the ways we've been taught and the way we think works. Uh, and in the same way that some might feel like, wow, like Alexandra said, this game really taught me a lot back in the days. I feel like we have the tendency of doing the same things, feeling like if this worked for me, it should work for mm. these kids as well. However, that's not always the truth, right? So we have to think about the things that our students face and, and what texts do they look at and how do they interact with different texts and medias and stuff like that. So I think new teachers really should need someone who could mentor them in the beginning. However, yeah. I think they should, could be able to do this themselves as well. Um, but it needs to be paid more attention to. Hmm. And, and I think in, in the teacher education these days in Norway, there's a gap, at least here in Bergen, in actually bringing students into this field and finding mm. a way for them to actually try it and experience it and, and just dive into it. And if you're lucky, you're placed in a school like I was, where you're actually able to try it within a safety, mm. a good safety box where you're, you, have, mm. you have got Yeah. Uh, but I definitely think that the growing community helps. Uh, mm. And, and people, there are workshops and there are presentations and conferences where you're encouraged and you're, uh, you're more than welcome to try it. However, for fresh students who already have a lot of new things to adjust to and, and try and just figure out how to do, I think it might be a good idea to introduce, them, introduce um, the field of gaming to them at an earlier stage in their education, actually. It might mm. be a good basis to lay as they're becoming teachers, because I'm sure there are a lot of good uh, teachers who could use this in new ways and in very inspiring and fruitful ways as well. Yeah. So community and a bit of courage then, really, to try things and mm. meet the students where they are. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Take yeah. You don't even have to know a lot about games to begin with. You learn you during courage, though. Yeah. Yeah. courage. Alex, you've uh, helped quite a few teachers uh, get to grips with uh, teaching with games. What do you think uh, is the most important thing you, te you, you teach them? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, now, one of the dirty little secrets of the teaching profession is that teachers are not experts. Teachers are generalists. Uh, uh, now, I'm, uh, this goes for me, and I'm, I'm guessing that this goes for all of you guys as well, uh, that there are things that we teach that we know quite well and there are things that we teach that we don't know as well and there are things that we teach that we don't like as well now, <laughs> uh, uh, there are english teachers out there who aren't all that fond of shakespeare right but uh, regardless of what your personal view on shakespeare is as an english teacher you need to know something about shakespeare and you need to be able to convey something more or less intelligently about shakespeare and uh, I view the, though I'm not sure that I'm going to draw a direct parallel between any current game and a specific work of Shakespeare, uh, but, uh, but the game's medium as a whole is so important in the society that we live in today that it is something that even though you don't need to be an expert player you need to know something about the stories something about the themes something about how games 
can awaken emotions and feelings and reactions in players. And in order to do that in a classroom setting, say that you're not an expert on games or you don't even like games, uh, my tip number one to teacher is don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, be willing to fail the way that the, the way that you want your students to be willing to fail. Uh, most of what I do when I when I make use uh, when I make use of games in the classroom, it's not rocket science. A lot of it is actually quite easy, and a lot of it is very very similar to the types of activities that most teachers are using in the classroom already. So essentially, for teachers to get started using games, put the same amount of effort into it as you would any other aspect of your teaching and just accept that the first few units that you run they won't necessarily be golden from the start but continue putting yourself out there and continue exploring things that are outside your comfort zone and you mm. essentially you eventually will and it will probably take a lot less time than a lot yeah. of uh, than a lot of teachers think mm. yeah cool yeah what are your current projects, Ingrid? What are you currently working on? And uh, what would you like to do in the future? What are you doing now? What would you like to do? Well, before, before we were suddenly, um, before we suddenly had to teach from home, I was working on using Orwell, which is a game found on Steam, uh, as a way to um, look at the, the democracy in society and, and the way we give away information, right? Hmm. Uh, and I was actually able to use this game in two classes, which has been really helpful now that we have this whole uh, coronavirus pandemic thing and, and we have to give away some information or some countries increase their surveillance of their inhabitants in order to make sure that the virus didn't spread. So yeah. um, that was my, my project before this whole started. Um, however times uh being the times it is i had to put it on pause for a bit but definitely something i will continue working on in during the fall because it has some great potential i think uh needs some tweaks and adjustments as alexander said the first lessons are never golden mm. um however they show quite um, some potential and my students have actually referred back to the game when we were discussing things um during online teaching so yeah. i feel like there's something to get there actually so that's my key element. I think that could be used in social sciences as well. Right. Um, but I'm still, my goal is to find more games to use as literature because I would like to as try literature. Right, right. different ways to approach mm. literature and being able to compare games and stuff like that. Mm. So if you have any great games for me to try, I'll just bring them on. It's <laughs> interesting, yeah. Alex, what are you working on and what are your plans for the future? Uh, now, uh, uh, there is a game that I'm that I've been doing a lot of work, uh, a, a lot of work with recently, which is uh, a mobile game set in Norway, which is called My Child Lebensborn, uh, which has a really cool concept in the concept in that this is a Tamagotchi-like game, which means that that you as the player you're caring for this character that only only resides within your mobile screen, but uh, the character that you're caring for that is the child of a German soldier in post World War II Norway, hmm. and uh, is really an emotional gut punch because 
essentially no matter how hard you try to give this child a happy upbringing and a safe upbringing, large swaths of the society are working against this kid and having having happy upbringing. And what I find to be interesting about this game and also what I want teachers to know about games is that games, they don't have to be fun entertaining mm, mm, fun mm. entertaining pieces of soft uh, pieces saccharine soft, sweet or anything like that yeah uh exactly uh the same way that schindler's list can be an excellent film right it's not funny or entertaining or funny or entertaining wouldn't be good additives to describe for films like that yeah uh, that the games medium also has the potential to tell all these uh sad or traumatic stories and give us as players the opportunity to establish an emotional connection uh, with people living in a situation that's far different from the one that we're living in, living Mm. in ourselves. So, uh, Leslie, where can we learn more about you, your social links and stuff? Uh, Well, you can follow me on Twitter. Sometimes I tweet in English, sometimes in... um in um in norwegian which is lector uh lector h-a-m-m which is my last name hum not not ham as some would say uh <laughs> you can leave a master thesis if you want to i'll also be speaking at some conferences whenever they are uh it's hard to tell but i'll be at degra uh-huh. 21 at least uh which is in mexico right now as right, far yeah. as i know yeah mm-hmm. uh, so that one and a couple of conferences in the UK as well. ECGBL? ECGBL and ECE as well. Right. So whatever format that is, I'll be there (laughs) speaking about games. So I'll be hopefully everywhere at some point, but you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as well. Cool. Hmm. Alex, what's your take? Uh, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, A-L-H-U-S-O-Y. You can also stop by the blog that I uh, run together with, among others, uh, Tobias, which is spillpedagogina.no. Uh, yeah. uh, now, this is all in Norwegian, and this is where we post uh, the lesson plans and our musings about using, uh, using games in education. Yeah. Brilliant. So please get in touch. If you like this episode, please consider commenting, sharing and subscribing. It's free to subscribe and it ensures that you get the next episode of the podcast as soon as it becomes available. If you'd like to get a shout out on the show, uh, send us a snapshot of your ludic classroom to LLP Journal on Twitter or mail us at contact at LLPJournal.org. Thank you, Ingrid, Alex and Tobias for being guests. And I wish, I wish you luck um, once classes start back face to face. Can't wait. <laughs>